So again, um, Pastor Amy said I could say one more thing that I forgot at the welcome is that this church believes in the power of prayer. And um, this isn't my preferred hairstyle, <laughs> but when um, it first came out, what my health concerns were, it's almost overwhelming. And I want to thank everybody who prays um, for me and for our family. And it's available to all of us who need prayer, who need a little meal, a little perk up. Um, so there's a, on the Get Connect card, there's a spot that you can enter if you need prayer. And um, it's for real. Uh, power of prayer, of course, is very strong and is very present in the life of this church. So um, our scripture reading for this morning is Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be, may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to the slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe, and he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is the word of God for the people of God. <clears throat> Thank you, Denise. Let's take a deep breath. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So much of what we see in life is a matter of perspective. So to illustrate that point, I want to invite the children to come forward one time. And Angie, if you could come with us, I think that would be helpful. I have something to show you, and I need your help. Coming up, kiddos. Augie, Natalie. Daphne, come on up. Sit, sit right in front of me. Sit right in front of me and look at me. Yeah. I have something to show you. Did my own kiddos bail? They walked out. 
All right, you ready? We might wait a few more minutes for our friends to come back. I need your help. I need your help. Yeah, it's okay. I'm really nice. Yeah. Are they coming? Let's see if they're coming. All right. All right, there's Natalie. Okay, you're going to sit here? Okay, ready? Okay, no, you got to look, you got to sit down and look at me. Ready? You got to sit down and look at me. Sit sit by Lainey. Ready? Tell me what you see. It's not a star, it's a heart. Yeah, it's a heart. I see a heart. What do you see? No, it's a heart. I get it now. You were seeing a star when I was seeing a heart, but you couldn't see the heart while I was looking at it, and I couldn't see the star. This is what we call perspective. We, we see things from our own point of view. We see what we see, and we're so sure of that. I was so sure that I saw this heart that I argued with you that you weren't seeing a star, but you were. Sometimes we forget because we're so sure about what we see. We forget that other people see things that are true and good and important. It's just different from the way we see it. Thank you so much for your help. I appreciate it. Didn't they do great? Yeah. They were a little confused when I started arguing with them, but yeah, so were you, yeah. So, beloved, with much more at stake than an argument over some drawings on an index card, the truth is we see life and faith from different perspectives, necessarily, right? There's just no way that we can be 100% objective. It's impossible. We forget that. It's so easy in this life and in this faith together, even with people we dearly love, to allow our differences in perspective to pit us against each other. Jesus knew this about us. He spent his days conversing with human beings from different backgrounds who had varying points of view, and he was human himself. He engaged that variety of perspectives by sharing his own worldview primarily through the telling of stories, through the telling of word pictures. Can I have the next slide, please, Grayson? Three of his most well-known stories will serve as the foundation of our new three-week worship series, which we are calling Seen and Unseen, Adopting the Worldview of Jesus. We begin today with what is often known as the parable of the wedding banquet in Matthew chapter 22. The opening line of this story reminds us that Jesus is always speaking from a kingdom perspective. The kingdom of heaven, he says in verse 2, may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. The kingdom of heaven. It's one of those phrases that Jesus uttered at the beginning of his ministry. After his baptism, after his time in the wilderness, he went along the Sea of Galilee proclaiming, repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. 
This notion of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, undergirds everything that Jesus says to his followers because it's the key to his worldview. Now, we can understand that for Jesus, the word kingdom refers to the sovereignty of God, the rule, the power of God on earth as it is in heaven. But we still don't know what it's like to live in a kingdom and to be subject to the rule of a king and the way that it worked in Jesus' day. We just can't know that from our own lived experience. So let's look at kingdom, Grayson. That's why many of us use the word kingdom instead. Now, we're not rejecting the notion of kingdom when we do that. It's still valid and it's still helpful, but we're looking for something to which we can better relate. So this idea of kingdom refers to that same power of God at work in kinship, in a family, in the community, in the here and now, and in the hereafter. So you know by now that I prefer the use of the word kingdom. It's totally okay if you want to retain the use of the word kingdom. It is a matter of perspective. And that's exactly why Jesus talked in parables. A parable, Grayson? Yes. The next one. Yes. A parable is a comparison or an analogy to offer a shift in perspective. And it was Jesus' favorite literary device. He often spoke in parables. In fact, the first line that Denise read for us this morning says, once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables. And this parable for today is the third in a series that we find in this section in Matthew and one of 23 in the book of Matthew as a whole. And Jesus loves a good parable. And notice I didn't say riddle. Parables are not riddles. They're not meant to trick us. They're not meant to be difficult to understand. The word parable literally means, Grayson, next slide, that was the previous slide, throwing alongside. <laughs> and that's the key to understand the stories of Jesus, recognizing that he's putting two stories together to help us see something in a new way, to help us see something or someone that perhaps has gone unseen by us for one reason or another. So let's try to see what Jesus sees in our passage for this morning. Let's try the sermon slide. I'm missing my remote this morning. One more time. There we go. In this story, we meet a king, the host of the party. We know his son is somewhere on the scene because he's the groom of the wedding. We also know that there are servants at play here, and they go to issue the invitation to welcome people into the wedding banquet. We can presume that that guest list held quite a few dignified names on it. Of course, those people don't show up. They refuse to come, and they actually commit terrible crimes against the king's servants. The king is outraged, so he shows even more force, and then he opens the gates wide, and he invites those who had been uninvited, unseen by the elites of the city. Now, the king is most often said to represent God in this story. And that means, at least for me, the part about the troops and the destruction of the city is really difficult to read. I'm not saying that God doesn't have a right to react the way that God wants to react. I am saying that we often get distracted by these stories when we read about the violence that is so often attributed to God. 
But this is an analogy. The king can be compared to God, but the king is not God. And the violent reaction of the king is not the point of the story. It's not the perspective shift that Jesus is trying to get us to see. The kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, is like that second invitation. The one that is indiscriminate. The one that goes out to all the people who have been expressly uninvited because they had not been seen in the same way as the more prominent citizens of the city. In fact, they're not seen as fully human, and they remain essentially unseen. But in this story, with this king, they are fully welcome into the party, and they're treated just like the elites would have been treated if they had bothered to show up. To the point that the people from the streets were even given the proper wedding attire when they walked through the gates. That's what the final exchange of the story is all about, and it can be so troubling because it's often misunderstood. And it's often misunderstood because we don't have that same cultural lens as the first century Mediterranean world. We live in a different context. So we read this part about the king becoming angry because this guest, who is presumably quite poor, isn't wearing clothes that are nice enough, and we, we say, how unfair. You knew what he was wearing. You invited him to the party. What we aren't told is that the moment the guest arrived, he was given a proper wedding robe to wear, to enjoy the festivities. He chose not to put it on. And this is where our perspective really gets challenged because Jesus says through the words of the king, many are called but few are chosen. And we Methodists, we don't like chosen language. We like open invitations, grace available to all. That's what we like about the tradition. It's what keeps most of us coming back. So when we read passages like this one, we're tempted to skip over this chosen language and dismiss it. But it's precisely when we feel that way when we are reading scripture that we need to dig deeper. Remember, the guest was given what he needed to fully enjoy the wedding banquet. He chose to reject the gift. This part of the story, when put into context, reveals to us that everyone is welcome. Could we have the called slide, please? There we go. This is the called part. And it is true of the kingdom of heaven. Everyone is invited. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is equipped with what they need to fully participate in the kingdom of God but we do have free will. And that is a key to understanding the chosen part. We have chosen, Grayson. Beloved, to be chosen in this context means to accept the invitation, to show up, to participate. In other words, the choice is ours. And I know that seems upside down, but the kingdom of God is upside down. It's upside down. It's countercultural. It always has been. And that's why so many of us keep missing it on this side of heaven, because we're choosing to live in the in and out, us versus them way of the world, even in the church. We have lost the kingdom perspective. We have lost the kingdom perspective, and we need to adopt the worldview of Jesus. And this is all a matter of perspective. And we have what we need to see the world from a variety of points of view because we have each other in community. 
And we have the ability to listen to each other's stories. And storytelling is invaluable. That's why Jesus did it. Storytelling is invaluable to the creation of a culture of inclusivity and grace. That's one of the reasons that we started parables on Sunday mornings in the 10:15 hour. And if you're not participating, if you're not sticking around for that, I encourage you to give it a try today. Just stay a little bit longer. Give us one more hour. When we learn about people in our community, we begin to understand how their perspectives are changed and shaped by their experiences. And when we listen to the stories of others, we can remember that we might be seeing something that they're not. They might be seeing something that we're not. And we can learn to see together in a whole new way. This is true also of when we study the Bible. And notice I said study and not read. Study and not read because our context is different. We need help understanding the context in which the Bible was written, whether we're talking about the parables of Jesus or the Old Testament. I suggest you get a really good study Bible, but I also suggest that you show up here on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. with Johnny Talley because they're digging in to the cultural context, the historical context, so that we can see things more clearly. Take today's story, for instance. There are so many ways that we can turn the cards in this parable, and we've already discussed some of those ways that we can gain a new perspective But what we ultimately find in this story is an invitation to engage in the kingdom of God. Next slide, please, Grayson. By showing up, by participating, and by inviting others. We have been invited by God to be present in this life with each other. We are called, we are welcomed, we are equipped to do that. We are equipped to participate in the fullness of life that following Jesus offers. And with a gift that good, how could we keep it to ourselves? How could we keep it to ourselves? It's our responsibility to invite others to participate in this life. And then the cycle continues as those whom we invite show up and participate and invite others to do the same. And that's what Jesus was illustrating as he takes the story of the king and he throws it alongside the story that the disciples are living, which is the same story that we're living as well. We're the other story in this parable. We're living this story in our own context. And it always starts. It always starts as followers of Jesus with a recognition that we belong here. We belong here. By grace, we belong here. And maybe you don't believe that yet. Maybe you're one who feels unseen, whether you've been here for a week or several years. It's okay. Just be kind and be generous with yourself and with others and show up and participate and soak up that feeling of belonging because it is here and it is available to all of us, not because anyone here is perfect, but because we are willing to do the hard work of learning how to admit when we've done wrong and how to repair our relationships. And when you can really see that, you'll want to invite others who want a place to belong as well, those who feel unseen, because this is a community in which we are committed to growing in our ability to ask the question, Grayson, who do I see? 
am I not seeing? Who is missing in this community? It's part of our vision of radical inclusivity as we are coming to see that we are all hungry to belong in the kingdom of God. We are all hungry to belong in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. As we turn to our God in prayer, I want to invite the kids to take out their wooden crosses in their worship bags. To hold them in their hand like this, as we remember it, when we pray, we are connecting with God and with each other. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you for seeing us just as we are. We thank you for loving us just as we are. And we thank you for creating in us the capacity to see and to love each other. We thank you for the sense of belonging that we can find in your church. And we pray that Morningstar continues to be that place for everyone. In Jesus' name we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.